0: Welcome everyone to Amanda's Horror Pod. Hope everyone's doing fan-fucking-tastic. It's a pretty nice day here in Maine. It's nice, not too hot, but not too chilly. About 83, I think it topped. Anywho, nobody cares about that. I certainly don't. I want to get right into this, because we have an... My guest and I had an amazing conversation, and so most of this episode is just going to be the conversation because it was very long and very important information. A lot of it has to do with a lot of horror movies and how they've affected the LGBTQ plus um, community. And as a part of that community, I am very, very, very excited to talk about this. And one of the main movies we draw from is Carrie, and uh, also, a couple other movies you'll find out, you will hear. But anyway, I'm really, really excited to introduce you to uh, a new friend of mine. I met him through a, a childhood friend, and he is just the sweetest. And so, um, we're going to talk with him now. Yeah, we'll be speaking with Robert Green, and he's a fantastic human being, and I'm just really, really excited about this podcast. This is stuff that I've wanted to talk about with to do with horror movies, but I just, I needed the right guest. So I have found the right guest, and I hope that you enjoy my conversation with Robert Green.
1: So yeah, horror has been a huge part of my life for a really long time, because uh, my mom was a big fan, so we grew up you know with her being a little gore hound it was super fun so the first time i (laughs) saw carrie was actually on television the first time it aired i think it was on abc um because i didn't see it in the theater so yeah i saw it i saw it on television one day one night when it aired uh, the first time it was um on broadcast television uh and i just remember being so freaked out uh, I mean, the rest of the movie wasn't bad. And I felt bad for Carrie because I've always been that kid, right? I've always been, you know, kind of the bullied kid, the left behind, mm. kid, the, you know, that kid, right? So Carrie, I've always identified with. Um, so there was that. But there was also the scene with the pigs, which I still occasionally have nightmares about. Um, just because it was so intense. And when you're so little, that just sticks with you, right? I think I was like right. five minutes. Yeah, five or six when that happened. Um, and then the prom scene, of course, which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> was just like, so did get I. It. Get it. You know, she, like, all of those people deserved it. I felt so, I, I was, I felt good for her. I'm like, please get that revenge. Right? But then her mom freaked me out. And the, the, the par- Piper Laurie. Oh, man. I, she was nominated for an Oscar for that shit yes please give it to her yes <laughs> yeah
0: I, I would be lying if i would say that my mom was completely different than her mom was but i, I would be a lie my mom was kind of like her
1: yeah. yeah
0: yeah that's not fun and it makes you kind of wish you had psychic power so you could just blow up all the bullies
1: right absolutely um but it's like that was because I kind of connected with that movie. it stuck with me like forever. I still like, I I'm a trainer. I'm a corporate trainer and in my real person job. Um, and one of the first things I do, cause I usually teach like a two day class and I start with an icebreaker and I ask people what their favorite movie is. Um, so I, you know, I let them know that mine is Carrie cause I'm a horror movie nut. Um, but I also like to go into like the little bits of trivia that I know right yeah like, like um with the two remakes of Carrie which I still enjoy I do like them they're not as they're not the original and I never wanted them to be right but there mm-hmm. was the tv remake with Angela Bettis who is my little five-head goddess I love her um, <laughs> But And then there was the remake of Chloe Grace Moretz, which Mm -hmm. honestly was a good movie, except for, in my opinion, Julianne Moore. She just kind of Sharon Stoned her way that movie, like Sharon Stone was in Catwoman, just carrying a highball everywhere, going, where's my paycheck? (laughs) (laughs) So true. And I understand that she was trying to play that kind of depressive mental illness, but it just kind of played itself off to me like she didn't really want to be there. Um, yeah. but the tv remake which was directed by brian fuller brian fuller is the guy who did uh dead like me and pushing daisies and the munsters uh television movie the mockingbird lane which really needed to be made into a series i adored that show that movie when they aired it but he wanted to make carrie into a series so the tv remake was a pilot Right. Oh, yeah. I didn't but, know that. Yeah. So but the thing was that it was going to be where Carrie was trying to find all of her half brothers and sisters because it turned out her dad was still alive. Because, you know, they changed the ending and she was still alive and she went off with Sue Snell. Oh, yeah.
0: Uh, yeah.
1: Yeah. So they intended for the series to be her going, you know, and, you know, dealing with like law enforcement, kind of like the people like that were hunting um the kid in Firestarter. it was going to deal with those folks mm-hmm. um, so there was that and finding your half brothers and so on but they couldn't really make it work as like extended format right so they took that seed of Carrie and turned it into heroes oh i see yeah so we we at least got superpowers out of it it just wasn't related to anything stephen king
0: I tend to like Stephen King's books better than his movies, which is strange to say to some, but it's the truth for me.
1: It depends on the movie, because I know the, the last two It films, because they changed so much, they were really their own thing. I enjoyed them, but I didn't
0: really Yes, yes.
1: King, right? Um,
0: the Shining, I liked the book better.
1: Yes, I mean, he has that infamous feud with stanley kubrick over that Mm -hmm. i'm an insufferable by the way
0: (laughs) that's great that's perfect because i i I thought i was i'm insufferable in other ways so hey (laughs) we'll both be insufferable together i'm an insufferable bitchy whiner
1: that's fine. I am also a professional complainer. It's totally cool. Uh,
0: but, We're all going to die. There's not enough pot in the
1: world. Wait, oh, there's not enough pot in front of me at the moment, which sucks. Um, but I'm working on it. Uh, <laughs> but Stephen, K., like his books are hit or miss. Like I really enjoyed the Castle Rock books. Those are all wonderful. Oh, um, they are. They are. But With Stephen King, what kills me is his endings every time. And everybody has talked about this. Everybody and their mother knows that Stephen King cannot end a book to save his life. (laughs) The last one uh, that he ended well, pretty much the only one that he ended well, was Dr. Sleep.
0: I don't know. I I, I don't agree. I I know a lot of his endings are depressing, but I I don't think his endings are necessarily bad. See, here's the thing. Let's look at it.
1: Right? Okay. Be- it is my favorite novel by Stephen King because, again, it deals with those bullied kids and dealing right. with fears, right, and externalizing those fears. Um, but it honestly should have ended the minute they left the sewer. I didn't need a hundred pages of a dude trying to teach his, you know, his wife how to ride a bike again. I didn't need that. And the book there. <laughs> I forgot all about that. Yeah, yeah. That's right. So Stephen King does have an issue with onions. A lot of them are okay and I don't really give them a lot of thought, but then there's the ones like it that kill me. Just stop it. um, (laughs) (laughs) Right. But, um, but now Carrie as a whole, as kind of this, she's become this kind of cultural zeitgeist. Right. Right. Just the character of Carrie, not necessarily even the plot, but the character, because that's all you need. Um, You've got so many horror movies dealing with the bullied person as this kind of unintentional villain. Right, right, right. She didn't intend to be a villain. All she wanted was to be liked and treated well by her mother and the people at school. That's all she needed, but she didn't get it. And that, and honestly, bucket of blood over your head in front of the entire school and because of schadenfreude, because she's been bullied for so long, she can't tell who's laughing because they're nervous or who's right. making fun of her.
0: It's just, um, it's, everything is another trauma
1: to her too, yeah. you know? Yeah. I kind of wish in any of the movies, right? I kind of wish that they'd left in what happened in the book, but I know that uh, De Palma wanted a single shot of the prom scene right of the of mm-hmm. the scene um and some of the others tried to recreate that as well but in the book what i really liked was she got out of the gym she left she went to go cope with her feelings and was going to run home to mom but then she realized oh shit no i'm pissed yeah and went back in deliberately to murder yeah. her school um, which I know that if you're t- portraying her as um, sympathetic, which we, we typically do, um, I know that if you're doing that, you don't want her to take that turn, right? That, that direct turn into villainy. So right. having it stay where she's just utterly shocked and then, nope, this ain't happening. None of you are getting away from me now that works yeah
0: no i to- i totally agree although i will say I-, I think no matter what she did i don't think i would have saw her as a villain because her life was completely insane her not
1: just her, her <laughs> home life or school life it was nuts yeah it was entirely crazy that that girl was a walking just target for everyone and it was so sad um and and i can only imagine what would have happened if they'd updated the character to be LGBTQIA? Right, right,
0: right.
1: Because um, at that point in the 70s, that would have been extra harsh. They couldn't have written her as a gay character. A lot of people see her or they read her as LGBTQ now, right? Yeah, um, oh yeah, very much so. Right, Because we identify with her.
0: Uh, right, we're all bullied. Audience,
1: yeah, for those of you in the audience who do not know, I'm extra gay. And I am not above sexually harassing a guest. It's
0: <laughs> a okay, bit. and and all of you know I am extra bi. So there you go.
1: <laughs> there you go. So, uh, but keeping that in mind, I do tend to look at horror with that LGBTQIA lens, right? So right. I do see a lot of people. I that, do too. Yeah, I do a lot of people uh, see a lot of people that will look at Carrie and say, "Yeah, I think you're one of our people," right? Mm. I just see her as the bullied people not necessarily because of her sexuality right because nobody knew nobody talked to her they just made fun right. of her it was religious and weird right nobody made the effort to make friends with her
0: i think she i think she might have been a lesbian <laughs> i think she, she might have maybe been yeah i don't know you know i don't know but i don't well, know well, I, who knows? We can't, we can't, spec- I can't believe we're speculating on fictional characters.
1: Well, the thing is, is that people do, right? Yeah. I've had yeah. these conversations. And I'm like, the character herself does not identify that way, but I can see how people would read that in.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. Um, because that does happen so often and with religion on top of it. It just makes things like the, it, like you feel like the entire world is out to get you. At that point, especially since you've got your mom espousing all of those ideas that right. everything you do is sinful,
0: right? And that's how, like, that's how I grew up. And I know a lot of uh, my listeners are just tired of hearing me whine about this, but that's exactly how I grew up. That's why that movie's kind of tough for me to watch because my mom was like that. Mm-hmm. And then when I like I realized my sexuality and stuff, I couldn't talk about that. I don't know what would have happened to me. She probably would have poisoned me or something.
1: Wow, that's. I mean, I feel extremely lucky in that my coming out was not nearly as bad as it could have been. Uh, I had some. I didn't have issues with anyone, anyone but my dad. And my dad, Uh. I don't talk to him anymore. We have other issues with him. But um, Uh. well, it's it's it was a long time coming, honestly. Um. Cause he was abusive just in different ways. Yeah. You know? um, yeah. But my only issue with him when I came out, cause I came out when I was 15. So um, he was living in Maine. I was living in Hawaii with my mother at the time. Um, so I came out to him 3000 miles away, but I just remember him saying it's a cult. They like dragged you off the street and made you suck dick. I'm like, no, no, that was entirely voluntary. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So let's not do that. But I also remember like going home and him, you know, because he wanted to understand, you know, asking the question, you know, if there was some kind of a pill you could take to cure yourself of this, would you take it? And I said, well, it's, I wouldn't need a cure. There's nothing wrong with me. I'm not sick. I'm just me.
0: That's so interesting because, you know, someone asked me that once and I said I would take one to just, be one or the other because of the. I went through such a hard time not knowing. I was so confused, and mm-hmm. then both the gay and the straight community were like, "You can't sit on the fence. That you got to pick something." You
1: know that that's wrong. See, bi erasure is such a horrible thing. Uh, you never see bi characters, specifically by men, in a lot of fiction, right? Because according to society, yeah. if you're if you're sleeping with men and you're a man, you're just gay. You just haven't you know made up your mind yet. Uh, I know. But it, it buy is a thing. People are attracted. Pan is a thing, right? Right. What people are attracted to, they're attracted to. And I can see the world catching up with that some. But we've still got a, lot, a long way to go with that in media.
0: Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. But, but I, I, things have but gotten yeah, be, think... somewhat better in just the past 25 years. I've noticed there's representation on tv that there was now that there never was before you know
1: oh yeah but it's it's gay or lesbian it's trans it's not
0: right right unless
1: it's a woman if it's a woman bisexuality is perfectly okay on television if it's a man it is not
0: yeah we're on the subject subject only i'm going to say this because it's really been bothering me People mm-hmm. say to me sometimes, you're biased, so you don't actually understand the struggle. It's like, you have no clue what I went through growing up. I have people who are either gay or lesbian who had an easier time than me, and I'm not comparing. I'm just saying that when people say that, it's very hurtful. Like, I was very confused.
1: Yeah. It, it is hurtful. I'm, and I'm sorry that, that you had to deal with that. That is an awful thing. It's just... Let people like what they like, and if they like multiple things, that's fine. See, I'm poly, right? And people oh, don't understand awesome. that either, right? So I, I have do. my, yeah, I have my husband, and I have a few boyfriends, right? You I have, go, boy. Yeah, we have a couple <laughs> that we're seeing, and I have one on the side that me and my husband occasionally both play with. But anyway, I it's... People don't understand poly either. They don't understand that love is not a finite resource. It's not a zero-sum game, right? No,
0: I know. People make judgments that they don't have any business making. Like, I'm not poly, but I totally, like, I, I get it. Like, it it almost makes more sense because I'm not sure, like, when we evolved, we, we were kind of just meant to, like, with the men. Yeah, we were supposed we're, to fuck and get, make babies,
1: it. Yeah. And yeah. It, but it, see, there have been gay people as long as there have been people, right? Right. Because we're going to fuck whatever is handy if, if it comes down to it. Hopefully, not without consent. But, Hope but not. Uh, the human we do not
0: endorse non consensual sex on this podcast. We
1: do not at all. We do not. Unless
0: it is simulated as like a, a fake thing.
1: Mm, I even have a problem with a kink fantasy, a, a rape fantasy with that. I mean, please do what you want. That's fine. But for I'm, me, I'm not I doing think, it. Oh, I know <laughs> uh, you, the audience. <laughs> but for me, the the rape fantasy is going to cut too close to what if you're really saying no and they don't oh, listen. Oh, my goodness. Right?
0: That's such a good point, and I feel very embarrassed that I didn't even think of that. Oh,
1: it's okay. I, it, a lot of people don't think about that, even even the ones with that cake, you know. But I'm like safety, guys. It, you have to really, really be up on your on your safe word or your safe grunt oh, or yeah. your signal that needs to happen. And those of you who are the tops in that kind of fantasy need to be aware of those things and pay attention to those things. Because I have heard stories of those things going too far, but the person doesn't necessarily consider it to be an assault because they asked for it. They just couldn't stop it.
0: Oh, right? that's, so, that's so hard. Oh,
1: man. Yeah. That's so so mean, If you can do it real carefully, fine you know play that power fantasy because that's what rape is it's not about the sex it's about the power um okay well i I take back
0: what i said then because you're right that is too close i i guess if you have a very trusted partner like you could do whatever but yeah that's a hard
1: one yeah yeah it again it's it's that line for me that's my boundary in terms of it but others if they have their own boundary that's fine too and some people Enjoy the complete giving up of control, right? So they don't yeah, want. Yeah, that's to true. It. So, you know, however they want to play it, as long as they're relatively safe and sane about it, please do. Right? Yeah. Just for me, that's a line. Yeah.
0: yeah, I like. I don't. I don't want to say I. I don't have any lines with John, but I don't think I do. <laughs> I think we just do whatever we want. <laughs> Oh, yeah. But we've been together twenty something years and we just don't, you know, it's just it nothing is you know, our communication is really good and yeah, uh, oh man, his family listens to this, so this is gonna be a great conversation at Thanksgiving.
1: <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much.
0: But uh, no, it's a good conversation to have because you know what? Everybody in this country, especially in this country, is so damn prudish.
1: Yeah. Yeah,
0: and I think that was part of the problem with being LGBT is it, uh, plus is people were just like, yeah, we don't want to hear about anything sexual, even your sexual preference.
1: Yeah, well, see, here's the thing, and I know we're getting totally away from horror at this point, so we'll have to go back. Uh, but first yeah, off, I do, do. want to say, yeah, first off, I do want to say that the the human animal is not meant to be monogamous. We we can see that in just human behavior right Uh, that's why people cheat because they get bored with the partner they're with you know unless there's really good communication you're not going to keep that monogamous relationship really solid all the time right so i think
0: i got really lucky but i i do agree i most couples i see i feel that's true but i think i got really lucky i think Mm -hmm. uh, i think my relationship is really rare
1: yeah yeah and that's again if monogamy works for everyone that's cool it does not work for me because again love is not a finite resource right i I do want to be real clear and say i do still get jealous you know that doesn't go away it's just how you handle that jealousy right right so um yeah and i have a pretty Severe abandonment complex too. Again, going back to that dad thing. So meeting um, Polly is a real interesting experience for me because I have to know that my emotions are lying to me when it comes to the jealousy thing. Scott's right. not leaving me. He's not going anywhere. He's just going to have sex with someone else. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> you know? It, it's a it's a weird thing, but it's an interesting thing, and I'm enjoying dealing with it because i'm learning a lot as a person and that makes me happy yeah
0: I, i i i was poly for before i was with john and i just for me i i just got too confused and yeah i'd get jealous you know, i get jealous of something or other. I don't know. I don't want to get into that. But yeah, yeah, I think it's awesome. Like, no matter what you do, it's fine. I just, yeah, everyone's different. And I think everyone should just respect everyone's differences. And unfortunately, most people out there are just
1: like, got a judgment, you know? Right, right. But going back to Carrie with that, I know that we went off that wild <laughs> tangent. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like I said, a lot of people were reading her that way. And that's totally cool. But again, she's kind of that that template for the bullied person. And people don't realize that bullying can reach these levels. That's why we have the Columbine shooting. Right. right? So, but I want to be very, very clear that media had nothing to do with that, right? There have already been the studies that say that media does not affect behavior in that way. It may make someone a little bit more creative with their violence but it's not going to make them more violent right, right. it's when everyone was like
0: blaming marilyn manson back then you know mm-hmm. and marilyn manson was like practically in tears he's like didn't you know he's a human being he yeah. he didn't understand
1: what why everyone was blaming him yeah well i mean there have been you know research studies after research studies after research studies going back to like the 70s and 80s with Dungeons and Dragons, of all things. Satanic panic, <laughs> panic. Yeah, the whole <laughs> thing. It's crazy. Um, there, I wrote a whole chapter on games in my second book because of that, right? Um, because of how horror is perceived in terms of influence. Right? And it's just not. It's not an influence. It's simply something to watch. Um, However, I will also say that horror movies in general are kind of like a washing machine for your brain. They take all those Uh fears and and put them external so you can watch them and and analyze them that way so they're not stuck in your head. Right. But Carrie, the character, is just classic on that level alone, right? Being that bullied kid. Because the entire school tormented her. Her mother tormented her. Her mother tormented her from birth because she didn't want her. Right. Right. He took me and I liked it. You know, that whole thing. Yeah. It's great that you say she's a gift now, but you're also telling her that she never should have been born. Right. Right. Because you didn't want to have sex. I'm sorry that you thought your baby was a cancer of the woman parts, but you know what? You got a kid now. (laughs) You know?
0: We're, like, making her feel filthy and disgusting all the time for just being
1: so awful. And I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. But if a person at the age of 16 does not know what their period is, there is a failing on multiple levels. Right? There's a failing of Carrie's mother, who refused to talk about it. First the blood, then the boys. Right? the dogs come sniffing, right? Right. And then there's the school and the school board who in that point in 1970s in the 70s probably may have had a big argument as to whether or not sex education belonged in the school. Right. Because right. sex education was a f- relatively new thing. Health class had been happening, but it was split up with boys and girls. And girls learned totally one thing and boys learned how to be assholes. Uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know it, fortunately, when I went to school, you know, health class was integrated and I learned how a period worked. Right. I learned how, you know, a woman undergoes those monthly, you know, shedding of the uterine lining i know all about that with the hormones and everything so i'm i'm one of those guys that you know if i can i'll carry a fucking tampon in case somebody needs it
0: that's awesome see i I wasn't allowed to go to sex ed because my mom was religious so and then she didn't tell me about periods so i just i didn't have Carrie's experience i knew something was going to happen but i didn't it was kind of scary when it did happen because i didn't know the reasons
1: Right. You learned on the street. That's never where you want to learn that stuff.
0: <laughs> yeah. I learned that shit on the street, yo.
1: <laughs> yep. Yep. Not Sesame Street, I'll tell you that much. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but then we also have Carrie's mother, who there had been religious villains prior to this, but none of her caliber. She right. was just the quintessential fire and brimstone preacher. And unfortunately, the only person in her congregation was Carrie. Right. So she just laid all of that directly into Carrie's face every day, day in, day out, morning until night when Carrie could go to bed. Yeah, yeah it's and it's nightmarish. Right. That is... I can only imagine that if Carrie had survived the amount of therapy she would be in right now, <laughs> just having to cope with that. just I, I know that she would be one of those kids that would immediately flee Maine, go to New York City and end up uh, either making it really big as a fashion designer, which is something that people told her she should do. you know, because huh. the dress she made for Prom was gorgeous.
0: Right, right right. they
1: said it in the book they said it in the remake they skipped it in the other two
0: but they yeah. did say it
1: correctly in the remake um so she had a skill she could have been really wonderful at it and she did a beautiful job that gown was gorgeous right it was. you know so she could have either either done that or she could have immediately done gifted kid syndrome right where right. she's like, no one cares what I do. I'm just going to fuck off with my life. Oh, look, drugs. What are those? I've never been taught about those. <laughs> what do they do? What are you doing on the corner there? Can I join? Can I help? Oh, prostitution. Awesome. I like sex. Mom was wrong. <laughs> you know. You know- <laughs> the really scary thing about growing up um
0: really restrictively religious because i did too i mean i'm not going to compare my life to Carrie, but it wasn't mm-hmm. completely off yeah but it wasn't the same but um it was very restrictive like i couldn't have friends who weren't in our religion and stuff like that i couldn't do anything outside mm-hmm. of the religion i forgot what my point was but what was my point i forgot now never I, mind
1: It's all right I, I th- i'm gonna blame the weed but uh but you're right I mean that kind of restriction
0: right you you don't know you you just don't know like I I didn't know so many things that now I'm like how the hell did I not know those things you know Mm -hmm. like I I didn't I didn't
1: All, all of these things that everyone else knows but because you're not in their social group you're not they're not sharing them with you right Right. So everyone and their mother in Carrie knew what a period was, except for possibly her mother, who just thought it was a curse. You know, um, oh. you know if you remain pure, you'll never get it. it. The human body doesn't work that way. No, <laughs> it does not. Uh, the only reason she might not is because of some form of physical Weirdness, right? There, there are cases where women have never had a period, right? Because there, it's something to do with their genetic makeup. Maybe they have uh, some form of an uh, andro gene, right? Because that's where we're right. talking about the the physical genders and where chromosomes come into play. But any woman, typically, you know, no extra, you know, gene information need to be shared. Standard human, right? Uh, right. It's going to (laughs) happen. You're not going to avoid it. And it's going to happen for the next 30 to 40 years. So have fun.
0: (laughs) Enjoy (laughs) the cramps and bitchiness. Take your Midol and eat your chocolate.
1: (laughs) uh, Exactly. I've got chocolate. I've got Midol. I've got a tampon. Here you go. Just go (laughs) into the other room. If you need me, yell. I know you will loudly. I will help you. (laughs) But other than that, until that's passed, I will be quiet in the corner. (laughs) like every man should be. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you said
0: that because I never hear guys say that. And I'm like, my secret thought is, yeah, every guy just go
1: in the corner and leave me the fuck alone. Right? Right? It's like, dude, okay, you know what's going on. You know she has no control over it. Just back the fuck off. <laughs> go get a hotel room. Stay away. Take the kids with you if there are any. Let mom just chocolate on the couch go for it
0: john <laughs> gets scared sometimes it's like sometimes you scare me i'm like yeah well
1: maybe you should it's- leave for a day or something <laughs> i mean it's legitimately a temporary mental illness it's it is scary Right?
0: I agree. I I, I agree. I, I'm not looking forward to menopause. I mean, I'm qu- I
1: think I'm a few years off, but Jesus, I'm not looking forward to that. Well, I mean, that'll only last you a couple of years though. After that, you're you're done. It's okay, I'm done. I can relax. The hot flashes are over. I can like, you know, not sweat by saying a word. I you wonder know.
0: if Carrie went through menopause if like her her psychic powers. I wonder if yeah, her psychic powers would have went crazy because of menopause or
1: something like that. Oh, they probably would, because I mean, they they were well, no, because think about it. In the book, it says that she had those powers as a child. She caused the stones. Oh, that's to right. Right. Um, so her period didn't cause that to happen. It just right. gave it a boost. So. It might be affected by menopause. It may be diminished by menopause. We don't know no. because she's dead. And right. she's fictional. <laughs> <laughs> so there's that. Um, but no, Carrie is we could talk about Carrie forever in a day. I would all I dig into Carrie so deep because she's that character just like face on Buffy you know that so many characters that are just these unintentional villains they didn't mean to be put where they are but abuse caused them to be where they are and you feel so awful for them but then they do shit that you kind of can't forgive them for because they're trying to work through their own trauma and it's not working because they're like I don't don't need help stay away from me I'm just going to hurt you and that doesn't work right that's true So, but that kind of character has always been one of my favorites. I I thoroughly enjoy digging into that. Kind of like Wreck-It Ralph, if you're talking on a kid's level, Mm -hmm. right? He's designed to be a villain, but he's really not one. Can you give him a shot? Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But then we have to talk about one of my other favorite, like, straight-up horror movies. Uh, Even though a lot of people don't think about it, right? If we're going to go talk about monsters, right? Little Shop. Little Shop of Horrors, right? The original Roger Corman is good. I enjoy watching it. It's the first appearance of Jack Nicholson. He plays the masochist guy that Bill Murray played.
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: Um, Not quite as masochistic as Bill Murray. No. (laughs) um, But still rather well done. It also had the guy that played Mr. Futterman and Gremlins in it. Oh, that's right yeah he's he was a corman staple that's where he Wait, got his start you have a good memory for oh. <laughs> that's the problem with me is i have a terrible memory ah, well like i said i am an insufferable know-it-all and if i have time to discuss a topic or research a topic beforehand i absolutely will uh, <laughs> but yeah i am a font of knowledge when it comes to this shit um and speaking of gremlins just to mention it quickly yes also a horror movie one of the reasons behind the pg-13 yes. rating along with indiana jones and the temple of doom and also the very first movie i got to see on my own oh anyway little shop right so it's a musical of course the the one because i got to go the, when this came out when i was 13 i saw it six times in the theater that was wow. my fucking paper route money every week i'm going to see this movie Right. Because one, it was made by Frank Oz from the Muppets and the Muppets have a near and dear place in my heart.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: Right. Uh, Like when Jim Henson died, I was a wreck. It was like I'd lost my favorite aunt.
0: Yeah. He was so incredibly talented.
1: Just amazing. And his son is just as talented. So I'm not taking anything away from the Henson Company at all because they do fantastic work. Um, but Frank Oz was in on this and he got the Henson Company in to make that puppet or the several 11 puppets that were used during the course of the movie. But second, I am a sucker for a man eating plant. <laughs> <laughs> I, and, like, my favorite movie monster is um, like Creature from the Black Lagoon with. Uh, uh, with Audrey too, just kind of edging him out there about at the same level. Audrey too, only because he could sing, right? Just edging him out just a little bit. Um, but my favorite movie monster type is the man eating shark, not man eating shark, man eating plant. Yeah. Man eating the shark is just because we're talking about Jaws. Um, <laughs> but no, like little shop of horrors dinner with Adele, the ruins. Oh my God. The ruins wrecked me. Right. Just one of the most fantastic and invasive and horrific depictions of the man-eating plant in cinema history. And people do not give that movie enough credit. Um, That's true. But when it comes to Little Shop, right? I'm 13. This is my favorite movie in the world because I can now sing along with a horror movie. (laughs) And, Fucking Audrey 2 is this classic, it's giving you this classic Faustian bargain. Mm -hmm. Right? I will give you all the things you want or could ever desire as long as you feed me. Oh, but this is what I eat. (laughs) Right? And the song Feed Me Get It, It, it's actually Feed Me, parentheses, Get It. Right? That's the name of the song. That song You see a switch flip in Rick Moranis. He was amazing amazing as Seymour in that film, mostly because people do see him as that dork, but they don't see him as an angry dork. Nope. So, Feed Me Get It. When he gets to that part where it's like, there must be someone you can 86 real quiet like and get me some lunch. Right. (laughs) And start singing about who could it be? right? What am I going to give you if you feed me this? Oh, you want Audrey? Well, you've got a little stumbling block there. Oh, Orin in <laughs> DDS. Sorry, doctor. Sorry, doctor. <laughs> um, he's in the way. If you want Audrey, all you have to do is get him out of the way and I need to eat. So do it. Right. Right. That was my first I, I had known about Faust before then, because, again, horror hound forever. Right. I used to do like I did one of my first real big in-depth book reports on Dracula. Right. So mm-hmm. you know, I'd known about Faust and I knew about that kind of bargain. Right. I knew that something like that was kind of included in Rosemary's Baby. Right between the husband and Satan, which is why Rosemary ended up where she was. So the Faustian bargain always really intrigued me. It's like, what do you? What is so important to you that you're going to sell your legit soul? Right. So now I could see it in action with this film, and you saw it build. Right. It's just right. from that first, from that first song, uh, you know, where the, where you're talking about how horrific life is in skid row and how everybody wants to get out and then he's talking about how he found the plant, which is this cute doo number that i just yep. absolutely love i right? love it too and then it's time for the first feeding yeah and he's singing grow for me and it's like okay i've done all of these things why aren't you growing you're frustrating me and then That fucking manipulative little fucking plant. That adorable little fucking asshole. Totally. (laughs) Okay, Blue. Nope, I'm going to get you to feed me. If I have to play dead to do it, I'm going to do it. Right? It's totally an act. (laughs) Like, I don't even think the plant's really a plant. Um, So from there, you've got that build into all right so i'm giving you what you want now first taste is free i'm your dealer now kiddo first taste is free you've got some success (laughs) here come all the offers here comes all the money do you want more give me that body (laughs) give it to me i am hungry i you are you have been fucking me over and i can't drink any of your goddamn blood or my source of food is now gone Right.
0: Right.
1: So it it's and that song again. You see that that switch flip in Seymour. It's like, nope, I'm going to do it. That asshole deserves to die. And it didn't take that much convincing. Nope. All it took was seeing him hit Audrey once. He knew she did it. He knew he'd hit her before, but he never saw her do it, saw him do it. This time he did. Yeah. And it broke him. a well, little yep. Temporarily, right? Broke him right. to the point where like, yeah, I'll go ahead and commit murder for you. And yep. then he does it twice in the same night. <laughs> right? I think it's great. Because <laughs> <laughs> first you had um, first you had Scrovello, the dentist, and his song is just delicious. I have that fucker memorized. I have that entire soundtrack memorized. I will sing along <laughs> Every time it drives my husband nuts. I, um, <laughs> but you know, you've got the dentist singing about, "Yeah, I'm an asshole." Fine, right? But then you've got supper time, where he's dealing with Mister Mushnick, who has discovered that Seymour is a murderer, right? Right? I mean, who's like, who's blackmailing him now? Give me the plant, and I'll let you go. I'll even give you some money, and you can take Audrey with you. But I want the plant and I want the rights to it so I can make more. And Audrey was like, no, you're fat. Get in my mouth. (laughs) It it was just the coolest thing, right? So the plant is even taking things for Seymour and, and us making him kind of commit murder because he's using the plant as a weapon. But the plant people don't know, is intelligent and is doing the shit on his own. So no matter what happens, if evidence is found that Most Mustnake was murdered, it's going to be Seymour who's on the chopping block. Right. Right. So no matter what this plant or Seymour does, eventually Seymour's going to get in trouble over it. Right. Right. But then we can you know skip through all the rest. You know We know how it plays out. Then the ending comes up. I am a huge fan of the original ending that was cut for audiences in the 80s. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So if you don't know, audience, if you're not aware, um, the original ending for Little Shop of Horrors had Audrey to win. And there's this song uh, that goes into, um, it's called Don't Feed the Plants. And it's about how Audrey because those companies have come in and they've taken cuttings and they've grown more, they're talking about how Audrey's species is now going to take over the earth and no one lives. Mm. Right. Seymour dies. Audrey dies. No one lives. Okay. And in the play, they sing that song, don't feed the plants and they come out as flowers. They're part of the vines of Audrey. Now they are those little pods that were singing along in mean green mother. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, my favorite song from any musical ever besides a little priest from Sweeney Todd just so you know <laughs> um but so it, yeah but in the 80s because we're in the era of Reagan and everybody is fucking depressed uh, no yeah. one wanted to see that no one wanted the downer ending so they had to reshoot right yep um, they left they left in some of it, right, and then just cut around it so that Seymour would win, right? That's where Bean Green Mother came in, where he exploded him with the the electrical cable. Um, but in the original, yeah, they, it's no one lives. In fact, the entire planet dies. It's fa- kind of fantastic. Like at the end of that, what I think was really awesome is part of the theme is the plant crashing through a movie screen and if you're in the theater watching that it was amazing right How just like it's so coming like out at you it's just oh um so i i I was really glad that they remastered that ending um, yeah. and, uh, and and I Um like so wonder TV. if they were thinking about like the
0: hiv epidemic because in the 80s it was reagan and hiv you know and
1: aids it, it was awful well, I, a, p- that might have been part of it, but because sex wasn't a big part of this movie, I can't really take that view of that. Just everything in the world, baseline depression, I can Yeah, take, yeah. Right? But if you're talking about HIV, you're looking at movies like The Fly, with the Jeff Goldblum. Oh,
0: yeah, Fly, yeah.
1: Right? Anything Body horror is going to be more the HIV type stuff.
0: Yeah. I think I just meant like the the disease or the plague of the time. Like, you know, yeah. now we have coronavirus. It doesn't necessarily have to be sexual, but For I sure. see what you're saying. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Um, the thing with HIV, and we're going off on another wild tangent here. Um, the thing with HIV is slashers were becoming prevalent in the 80s, right? And HIV became known in the late 70s. Right. So because standards in movies were relaxed to allow sex, right, um, the slashers came out. And of course, the people that engaged in sex were killed and did drugs were killed and so on and so forth. So all of these behaviors that are actually linked to HIV were deadly. So we're linking sex and death in real life, making these slasher movies super scary because it's happening on the screen in front of us Mm -hmm. to the point where people and some people still do actually think that slasher movies were created by the Christian right to be passion plays to be morality plays.
0: Oh, yeah, I've heard that <laughs> before
1: yeah, it's it's creepy and yep. wrong,
0: but it makes sense. yeah, it you does know? and that that's the way they think anyway.
1: yeah. But going back to little shop, that movie just makes me so happy. It oh. really just, it's just joy when I hear, you know, that piano at the beginning. Just my heart <laughs> swells. It's, it is from an enjoyment perspective. Um, and from an interaction perspective, and just making me happy. Movie that is my favorite movie.
0: I'm gonna have to go back and watch it because I haven't watched it in about five years, and I now you're making me like want to watch it again. I, I saw that the. <laughs> the really old one recently but i yeah. haven't seen that one with rick
1: moranis for about five years so i'm gonna go back and watch that now yeah fun thing um the part of audrey mm-hmm. before it was given to ellen green who's the woman that originated the role on broadway it was offered to cindy Lomper. Ooh, nice choice because it's geffen Right, Geffen was her, uh-huh. her recording studio at that point. Right, uh, she couldn't do it because of scheduling. So they got Ellen Green. Uh, but I think also she turned it down because she didn't think it was going to be a big hit. Right. Of course, then she went and did Vibes, and that was hilarious. And everyone forgets about that.
0: Oh my God, <laughs> I love uh, Cindy Lauper. I have uh, since I was a kid. She's wonderful. She. Is oh my God, she's amazing.
1: Human. She is like, just seriously. Human. I
0: can't think of one negative thing about that woman.
1: Even I mean, if I tried. I, I don't spend a lot of time around her. Maybe she's real bitchy, but I don't know. Right? At least what I see of her and what she's curated her appearance to be, she's a fantastic human being.
0: Yeah. Even if she's bitchy,
1: that's okay. <laughs> but because she sounds like this, I'm okay listening to her being bitchy yeah, because you
0: know... see, I love her voice. <laughs> and, I, and in the eighties, I used like when I was a kid, I would try to dress just like her. Mm-hmm. Like, I love, like, everybody was, like, into a Madonna dress. No, I was, like, Cyndi Lauper. Oh, I, I was a Cyndi Lauper girl.
1: I knew I was gay then. I knew that I had to, like, link directly to Madonna. It was a thing. Uh, <laughs> but Cyndi Lauper was right up there. Like, her videos are crazy. And the fact that she had this real close relationship with WWF was stupid yeah. and fun like lou albano showing up in all of her videos
0: <laughs> i completely
1: forgot about that right oh yeah uh, you are be up, a few um, years older than me because i completely forgot about that no i'm probably a, well i don't know i'm 43 uh, yeah i'm like five years older than you okay so, yeah so, uh, well a little more than that i'll be 50 next year so oh okay yeah but yeah lots of experience with this um But Little Shop, again, so so wonderful. I'm I, I mean, if we're talking about horror movie musicals that have been made into horror movies, we do kind of have to mention the Johnny Depp Sweeney Todd.
0: Oh yeah, that yes, yes,
1: definitely. Yeah, it's a good movie. I enjoy it. I'm glad that Alan Rickman got to play Alan Rickman again. Uh, Oh, I love him. I love him. He's amazing. And I don't care that he doesn't have a whole lot of range. That's fine. Uh, yeah, I don't
0: care either. I even liked him in, in the Robin Hood as the sheriff. He was the only good actor in that movie. I
1: know! Yeah, and of course, you know, he didn't start his acting career until his late 40s, so I'm blaming that for the reason he doesn't have range. Um, oh, and also he was really great in
0: Die Hard. I love that.
1: That was his first movie.
0: Oh, was that? Yeah, I, th- really? I thought it was. Yep. Yeah, he was really
1: good in that. Yeah, he was amazing. Alan Rickman is wonderful. Um, and I do like Helena Bottom Carter.
0: Yes, yes. I
1: kind of adore her even when she's in something that Tim Burton is directing. Uh, but she was married to him, so I suppose I have to deal with that. But <laughs> no, the the Johnny Depp, Tim Burton, um, Helena Bottom Carter thing, I'm like, whose dick is in whose mouth? Because I'm pretty sure it's Helena's dick. <laughs> the two of you are just following along. Um, oh boy yeah who knows but i'm like please cast someone else i enjoy your movies i'd like to enjoy them more with different actors uh, <laughs> but sweeney todd sweeney todd is like my second favorite broadway show because it's horror right because right. It's, it's very much the victorian equivalent of soylent green um you know, because they're taking their their victims and making them into meat pies and nobody's nobody's the wiser right? But there are a few things about that film that really, really bothered me from a style choice from on Burtons part. Okay. and on Deb's part. For me, because I grew up because my grandpa was very big on the nightly VHS rental because there are five children in the house and they all need to shut the fuck up. <laughs> actually more than that because w- we were living with our grandparents and the aunts and uncles and cousins would visit every day too. Oh, um, Yeah. So the v- the VHS player got a huge workout when grandpa got home from work. Um, but Sweeney Todd was one of them. I asked, and it's like, this is a musical. I know it's kind of weird, but can we watch it? Cause I- I'd heard about it. I was still like 10, 11 right at that time, but I'd heard about it and I heard that it was pretty cool. Uh, and I liked Angela Lansbury from Knobs and Broomsticks. Right. So he would rent that, and I thought it was—it hurt my ears a little. That recording of that show does hurt your ears a little bit because it's real high pitched in that in the screechy tones in it. Um, but there's that overture that plays, and there's the Tale of Sweeney Todd that opens the show, and you know has the breaks and so on. That song, the Tale of Sweeney Todd did not appear anywhere in that movie. Anywhere. Huh. At all. (laughs) He didn't have the audience uh, or the cast telling the story. He just wanted to tell the story, and that's okay. But I feel like you cut out a gigantic piece that would have explained a lot around that. Right. And it would have wrapped it up really nicely. Right? Yeah, I
0: think it would have
1: yeah and then the other thing that i did not care for uh first off we all know helena bottom carter cannot sing she's not <laughs> she's got no. this voice to her it's not it's not bad it's just not great right she did the job she played off as a victorian pie shop owner um yep. which was wonderful but johnny depp again little priest right up there with my my favorite movie uh musical songs right where they're singing about the type of people they're going to put in their pies. Right? Right. Don't don't you know the trouble with poet is how do you know it's deceased? Try the priest. (laughs) Right? Right. Um, No, it has to be grosser. It's green. Anyway. Well, that's
0: it for us right now. Um, I hope you enjoyed the episode and this is Amanda from Amanda's Horror Pod. And look, this discussion is not just for LGBTQ plus people. Of course, it's for everyone. I want everyone to remember that. And if you need uh, to reach out or you want to reach out for any reason, you can email me at Horror at outlook.com. It's a very simple email, Horror at outlook.com. Or you can find me on Instagram at ladyamandamay. This May is spelled M-A-E. I don't know why everyone always gets that wrong, but I feel the need to uh, shout that out there. And if you're having trouble with issues in life and you need someone to talk to, there is a lot of online therapists now you can talk to. And just be kind to yourself. And remember, there's always someone out there who cares. We care. I care. My guests care. Just remember that, okay? All right. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye.